106 of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Hey, I'm really excited today because I have Aaron O'Donnell from Fieldwork with me. Aaron is awesome, and so is Fieldwork. <laughs> so Aaron is the VP of Corporate Services, right? It's been there for a little over 12 years, something like that. Uh, and hey, if you have spent any time in this insights industry, the market research industry, um, you are probably a client of Fieldwork, as am I. <laughs> so best in the business, I'll say, and I'm, I should say I'm really excited because we've got the Quarks Conference coming up in February. And on February 29th, once every four years, uh, Fieldwork is hosting a happy hour, an Insights Association happy hour, right after Quirks ends at their new facility in the Dallas, Texas area. So I'm right next to my home here. I'm very excited to see the new facility. I can't wait. So come join us for that. That's going to be super cool. All right. So something that Erin doesn't know or people don't know about Erin is that she may not have ever been in research at all. You might be seeing her on TV, at the theater, that sort of thing, but it wasn't meant to be. Erin's got an awesome story about that, so we're going to talk about all that and more on today's podcast. Welcome, Erin. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's great to be here, and I'm thrilled to get to see you in person at the <laughs> end of the month at Quirks and at our um, event on the 29th. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a ton of fun, and I liked your old facility, so the new one's got to be even better, so I can't wait. Yeah, we're very excited. Super cool. Well, it's great to have you on, and uh, what I'd like to start with is, hey, you know, everyone's got a story of how they got into insights and research, right? So what's what's your story? How did you get into this space in the first place? Yeah, you know, it's... I. I think a lot of people have a story of sort of, I, I fell into it and I got addicted and I couldn't leave. And that is my story. I was <laughs> fresh out of college when I started working with field work. I had studied international studies and Chinese in college, and I had no idea what I was going to do with any of that. Um, and I just sort of, I got connected with field work. I started my career as a client service specialist. And I, you know, with the intent of figuring out something else to do. And I had no idea what that was. There was the Peace Corps for a little bit, teaching English abroad for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I considered those options, but I just loved what we were doing in the facility. I loved yeah. the um, space that was created to help people connect at its most basic level. And some days it was, you know, doing a beer taste test. Some days it was bringing in patients to talk about their condition. And so I really just you know, it, I I loved the variety of work we got to do and the ways right. we were really helping people find answers. Um, I'm a really curious person, which I think that that personality trait really aligns with market research. Yeah. Um, and I just continued to stay curious and continued to find opportunities within fieldwork. And 12 and a half, almost 13 years later, I'm still here to tell the tale. Yeah, super cool. Now, one thing I didn't say in my intro, but I should say is I'm uh, actually wearing my Chicago glasses here today. <gasps> See the Let's go Bulls. Yeah, what do you know? I love it. <laughs> I have bona fides <laughs> because I lived in Chicago for five years. In fact, all three of my kids were born in Chicago, and you are from the great city of Chicago. Is that not correct? 
It's a great city. I, I now consider myself a Chicagoan, but I will say I am a proud Colorado native and I will uh, never lose that title. I was born and raised in Denver and um, I am just, I'm very proud to be a Coloradan. Yeah, cool. So did you start at, uh, at Fieldwork uh, Denver. in Denver? Okay. Yeah. And you transferred to Chicago. I did. So I've been in Chicago about 10 years. I started my career at Fieldwork Denver as a hostess and I will say beyond just the joy of being in the facility, those mountain views of that facility are the best. So if you haven't been to Fieldwork Denver, even just to stop by, we were had a great opportunity to host some of um, those attending QRCA a couple of weeks ago in our facility. But I always said, even if everything goes wrong in your study, looking out that window and looking at that mountain view at least makes a little bit of the day go right. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That's great. I love Denver. I haven't been to your facility there yet, uh, but I'll sure to be sure to stop by next time I'm in town. Yeah. So um, super cool. All right. So so I know that theater was a passion for you as as a young lady. So to tell, tell us this story. I, I love this story. <laughs> yeah, I uh so this being a mute, like a music podcast, um, I am one that appreciates music. I have no skill in music in any way. I tried for a very long time as a kid. You know, my parents wanted me to be well-rounded. I was in a lot of sports. Uh, right. Sports were never going to be my jam. When I played soccer, I was doing cartwheels on the field. Um, there was monetary incentives for me to get a goal. I got one yeah. goal in my like <laughs> seven year soccer career. And my best friend was like a, you know, D1 collegiate soccer athlete. So like they sort of knew sports where I was going to do them. I was never going to be great at it. I fell into musical theater um, just by way of, I think friends were doing it. And okay. um, it, it, you know, I, they talk a lot about improv classes when it comes to like professional development. And I do think right. there's something there about being in front of people, being able to think on your feet. Um, my career though, I think really like the nail in the coffin of my musical theater career was my first paid gig at age like 13. I think I still have my paycheck framed. It was like, you know, $50 after taxes. I played <laughs> a jester in a show and, um, I had one song, one solo, and it was called I Can't Sing. And I had to sing the whole song off key. So <laughs> while I wasn't great at singing on key, I will say it is really hard to sing an entire song off key. And that was sort of the beginning and the end of my paid musical theater career. But it was so much fun. I definitely learned a lot um, from it. There was confidence gained from being on stage you know, engaging with an audience. And I have even more just um, admiration for those that are able to to get on stage night after night after night, whether it be at the theater or in a band, it's, it is not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of bands, I know that your boyfriend, right, is, is a drummer in a shredding metal band and he's really freaking good because you showed me a video. So, <laughs> So you're still around it anyway. So that's kind of cool. It is. And it is great, you know, being around people that that are experts in areas that you're not is yeah. so much fun because you get to learn things you never knew is yeah. him being able to look at a, a drummer or a musician. He just has an like an insider track to 
what they're doing. And then on my yeah. end, seeing the hours he puts into practice, it's just, yeah. it's always a good reminder is, you know, you see someone's, you know, someone's end point, but you forget there was a beginning point at one point to, to yeah. get there. So it's, it's very um, encouraging to get to watch people that are great at what they do. Yeah, now I have to ask, and this is totally odd script, but I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. So in Chicago, he's does he practice in an apartment? No. Like, oh my gosh, we would be kicked out of our apartment, Matt. We <laughs> would not have a place to live if he practiced. So, you know, there's a, a um, studio he goes to. He rents yeah. a the studio and they have the yeah. drums and everything there for him. So, yeah, yeah we are. Nice. Luckily, uh, our neighbors don't hate us for that reason. <laughs> I have to ask because... Uh, for a while, we lived at 40 East Chicago on the Gold Coast, and we're on the third floor. And, you know, I played the drum, so I'm, I'm yeah. you know, very partial to the instrument. But the guy who lived just below us had a son who started playing the drums, and he would play it in our building. And it was it was something else. So <laughs> that that's it. That's one of the, uh, we have a niece and we're sort of waiting to the point is like, when do you buy her a drum set? And at what point, how much is his sister going to hate us at that point <laughs> yeah. when we do yeah. that? So we're sort of towing the line of like, she's still way too young. She's two, but yeah. um, it, it may be in her future. We'll see. Uh, take some parental patience for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you were technically a professional, right? You drew a paycheck. You drew a paycheck. I as, drew a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm guessing maybe the, the jester who sang the song, I can't sing. Maybe that wasn't the role you tried out for, but it's the one you got. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> I mean, you know, I had my eyes set on the starring role. It's always, <laughs> you know, you want to dream big, but uh, also be humbled when um, you don't, you don't get to that point. But it's, you know, it's been really fun to see those around me succeed. And again, I've always just, I love, I, I love what music can do, whether in the, yeah. from the theater or going to see a concert. I think there's something, you know, a connection that I've I've experienced between market research, particularly in-person research and yeah. uh, music in general is just the way it can connect people, especially people that may never have a, any other connection in the world is I've gone to, I, I prior to meeting my um, boyfriend, I did not listen to metal music and going to shows oh, with yeah. him. I know <laughs> shocking, right? Um, it's been just, you meet some of the coolest people and people that you get connected to in ways you never expected to. Yeah. And having these real human moments. I remember the first few concerts we went to um, probably 2021 after things opened up a little bit more from COVID is we saw a band and there was someone in front of us who just, he his energy was incredible he hands are up having the best time and I went up to him after the show and I just said they like you seem so happy he's like this is my first show in two years it's one of my favorite bands I just could not be happier and it's those human <laughs> connections that I think we really in our facilities try to foster is to be able to have that shared energy of of that comes from a shared space a shared physical space yeah, yeah, that that definitely comes across. I think at the facility, and and certainly with you as well. I mean, you're such an engaging person, so it's clear that you you took some lessons from your your theater experience, and it just kind of became part of part of who you are, right? Yeah, yeah, we tried to. Yeah, super cool. Well, one thing that's really exciting to see is that. 
face-to-face -face market research seems to really be coming back and have a real uh, resurgence now that we're a bit away from uh, COVID. Hashtag face-to-face -face MRX. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you seeing, you know, as you look out into the future of, of insights from your perspective? What's it look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's been really interesting watching the evolution of the conversation around methodologies, appropriate methodologies for um, the type of research you're trying to do. I've really loved, I, I think prior to 2020, there was a lot of default to in-person. And now there's a really interesting conversation around, like, why are we gathering these people? What are we trying to gain? I've seen clients even sort of go from online right to ethno because they want to get as close and as intimate as possible right. with their participants and the, the respondents, which has been really cool to see and be able to support. So I definitely see that. I think that the other side we've seen um, with uh, particularly in person is not just the respondent connection, but the backroom connection is we've heard from a lot of our clients that are coming in person is it's great to see the participants but it's also awesome to have a full day with their team and their client that's focused in a room. You can get coffee together. You can get dinner together. And that's where so many of the great ideas happen is when it's just, you know, a walk to dinner or a glass of wine after dinner. And so it's been yeah. really awesome to hear that conversation be a little louder um, around why are we gathering? There's more and more companies having in-person meetings we were I was just in New Orleans yeah. uh last week and Anheuser-Busch gathered they think they brought about 6,000 people together for an in-person meeting uh Pepsi oh. did it a couple I think at the end of last year as well and so there is something to be said about about that gathering which has been great and yeah. I think that even you know then we look at the flip side of the future of insights where you can't have a conversation without talking about AI but I think that what I found really interesting about this conversation again is is having the the thing do what the thing is best at doing. And so you bring in technology to do what it's best at doing, but it can't replace what the human's best at doing. It can help support, but having that human insight, that empathy, it I think it it frees up time for people to be able to do more of that and less of on the admin side, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I I noticed this phenomenon, but I didn't think about it in this way, that since so many people are working remote now, when they engage in an in-person research project, that's, like you said, that's their time together, right? Because they're, they're actually on a day-to-day -day basis, not spending time together. So it's got kind of that double benefit, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I really like to ask this question because uh, I learn about a whole lot of new different sites and sometimes uh, series and movies that I haven't seen. So big, broad question, Aaron. So it's about media, right? So what media are you turning to for insights, inspiration, or enjoyment? Yeah, so I am a big podcast person. I commute to the oh. office two days a week. Uh, I take the train, so I love putting in a podcast and zoning out. Yeah. One of my favorites as of late is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Ah. Uh, it's, he's, I just, I love the questions he asks people. He's a really interesting person, and I feel yeah. like he asks 
questions that not everyone are asking of different celebrities he brings on. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big podcast person, but I will say I am kind of in a slump of podcasts. So I don't have a ton of great ones. I have a couple in my queue, but um, that's probably my favorite one. I did recently uh, learn about Spotify's audiobook option. So I've been consuming uh. a lot of audiobooks via Spotify as well. Um, but I did learn they they have a max number of hours you can listen to each month. And <laughs> usually by like the sixth or seventh of the month, I've maxed that out. So um, so big audiobook person. I love podcasts. Um, you know, we talked about Chicago, but living in this city is there's just yeah. inspiration everywhere. Um, I'm a member of the Art Institute. I've been a member of the Museum of Science and Industry. And yeah. I, I, you know, our office is just is maybe a 10 minute walk from the Art Institute. So it's a great way to end my day some days or go for a lunch and just walk through and see what what inspires me that day. So and I I mean, I think, too, is is you you've probably guessed it. And I feel like the listeners have is um, I again, I'm not a metal person. And so being exposed to people with different interests than me um, has been a great way of of continuing to be inspired. So surrounding myself with interesting different people who have different opinions and different interests is, you know, we're always sharing podcasts and book recommendations. And so that's, that continues to keep me inspired. Yeah. I love it. Just, just out of curiosity, what part of the city do you live in? I'm on the west side of the city, so I'm right by Humboldt Park. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah. cool cool part of town. Excellent. All right, well, you said it already, Aaron. This is a rock and roll research podcast. Maybe metal is not going to be on this list. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but I'm very curious to know what will be on this list. So let's say, Aaron, you're stranded on a desert island. You have three records that you're choosing to keep you company for the rest of your days. Totally of your choosing. What are those records? All right. So the first one would be, it's a throwback to when I was a kid and when you bought like CDs. And so you just had what, like 13 songs to listen to on repeat. Yeah. Uh, Sticks and Stones by Newfound Glory. I can still ah, sing every word to them. And we went to yeah. go see, I've seen them in concert a few times and it just, it's so much fun. It's just talking um, about them last night. So my bass player is a huge fan. So oh, okay, there we go. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> um, the next would be I. I think one of the reasons that I gravitated to musical theater as a kid and continue to love it is the storytelling aspect of it. I love when a song tells a story. Mm -hmm. um, and Brandy Carlisle is, I just yeah. think, an incredible person, an incredible storyteller, an incredible musician. And so uh, her album, by the way, I Forgive You is one of my favorites, but awesome. really any Brandi Carlisle album, I would ha be happy to be stuck with on an island. And I will say she also loves something I love being wine and she has her uh, own um, wine company and I will say her it's pretty good. So I, I'll uh, give her that yeah. plug as well. Um, and then the last one is a band called Foxy Shazam and the album yes. was their self-titled album, Foxy Shazam. Yes. Uh, they are one that their music's amazing. They're in person. Um, their concerts are just like the best I've ever seen. The energy they bring, you know, you talk a lot about yeah. like how people share energy and they just, they leave it all on the stage for you. They are totally. so engaging. At one point, their piano player is crowd surfing with his piano. He's like laying down. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. So those would be my, my desert, desert Island albums. 
I love that. But it's the yeah. first mention of Foxy Shazam. Yeah. Uh, so, so cool. I mean, if anybody, you know, if you get a chance to, to see them, I mean, the, the, like you said, the energy that they put into their, to their show is just something else. So super cool. I love those choices. <laughs> really cool. And uh, hey, Aaron, any any chance to chat with you? I'm I'm all for it, and so I'm super excited that we're going to have the chance here next yes. not next month in a few weeks. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, very cool. I can't wait to see the new facility, Aaron. So let's keep in touch. We'll talk soon for sure. And rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> Thank you.